Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and thank you once again for joining me here on the Penboy Roy Entertainment Podcast, episode number 114. This week's episode, we actually have a special guest. We're going to have him on again because we got all caught up in the conversation and we didn't get to talk much about the actual guest. We have J.J. Lax on. J.J. Lax is actually here just to chat and hang out with me and Tom and talk about the little hot button topic that we have going on that's going on with Twisby and Narwhal. And stay tuned because it was an interesting conversation and we explore it at all angles. And we talk about what's going on there. JJ Lax, if you don't know, he's a nib grinder extraordinaire who does nib grinding work independently. And he also works with my good friends over at Esterbrook. Gotta love the Esterbrooks. Anybody else think of Snoopy when you think Esterbrook? I don't know why. I think I think of Snoopy all the time. So like... I feel like Esterbrook needs to change the logo from whatever it is to Snoopy because I think of Snoopy. I'm not sure why. Oh, I know why. Because the guy who drew Snoopy used Esterbrooks and not because Esterbrooks were badass back then. It's because he foresaw that the SD was going to come out. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what happened. But the SD is pretty cool. Anyway, let me get into the sponsorships real quick. Now, I like to talk about Gold Spot Pens. I now have an affiliate link, meaning if you click on the link in the description to buy pens at goldspot.com, not only can you also save money by using coupon code ROY at checkout, some exclusions do apply, Esterbrook being one of them, you can save money and you can help support the cause of the Pendertainment podcast and everything Penboy Roy Pendertainment related. I'm now an LLC. So I am now a thriving multi-dozen dollar corporation that is LLC'd. So I'm very proud of that. And please use the affiliate link and purchase your pen stationary inks at goldspot.com. The link is in the description below. And make sure you use that link because that's the link that helps me out. Also, I want to talk about our other sponsors. We are talking about Luxury Brands of America. They're bringing in some new pens. The all-new Joya Bella Vista is coming soon. It's complete with an easy-to-clean piston filler. It's funny. I'm, piston fillers is going to be the hot topic for this week's episode of the podcast. We talk about it the entire episode, piston fillers. Now, where was I? Complete with an easy-to-clean piston filler, gorgeous cap band. It is gorgeous. Ink window and exclusive resins. These are surely to impress. Check out the Luxury Brands Instagram page for more on the Joya Bella Vista, like I said, coming very soon. I'm looking at them. The orange and gray one, I'm sorry, yellow and gray one is going to be mine. That's that's my favorite one. I definitely have to get my hands on that. Beautiful pen. Made in Italy. Distributed by some of the coolest people in the world, Luxury Brands of America. Thank you, Luxury Brands of America. And when they're available, please check out the affiliate link at Goldspot to purchase them. So before we get started with this week's episode of the Pentertainment Podcast, I want to give you guys a quick disclaimer. This podcast is not scripted and therefore will contain potty mouth words, both from myself and Tom, mostly from me. I, I don't remember good old JJ Lax saying any bad words. He may have if he... If he did, I'd be surprised. I don't think he did. But be forewarned. You have been warned. Now on the podcast. The Pet Boy Roy Entertainment Podcast. Stage 7. And Inky.
and we are live and we have today two things one of them is really cool one of them not so cool right hot button topic we're going to talk about but we're also going to talk about it with our good friend Joshua Lax who is a nib meister extraordinaire and he's on the show today we might have him on another show very soon after in case we don't get to all the topics we're going to discuss today but Josh thanks for being here buddy Thanks. Wait, I'm sorry. Is this I'm I'm supposed to talk about nibs? I thought you were part of the Pen Pen World Journalism Organization, and we're going to talk about uh, World Poetry Day. But it's okay. I'm I'm fine. I'm qualified. So yes, I understand now. My my mistake. I apologize. Yeah, I think the last time we actually physically saw each other was at the Fountain Pen Hospital last year, where you were doing nib grinds for anybody who purchased Estherbrooks at the yeah, Fountain that's Pen right. Hospital. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely good to see you. The last time I was able to see you before that was also at the 2021 DC Pen Show, which I won't be able to fucking go to this year because my stupid fucking test, stupid studying and all that shit. But anyway, so, you know, it was last minute decision to have you on the show. I was really excited that you're available. And I think yeah. we've, we've had discussions off the air, obviously. Yeah, we've, we've, we've said that we need to have... JJ Lax on the show. Yeah. Like we need to. Yeah, we definitely and we're getting yeah. it done. So that that's how I roll, son. We just get shit done. But what Gotta prompted get it done. me Gotta get it done. What prompted me to have Joshua Lax on the show was he had to clarify some things for us. First thing, his name is Joshua Lax. So where does the second J come in? So it is in fact my middle name. I am Joshua Joseph. And uh I just thought J.J. Lack sounded more old-timey, and when I started the whole thing, I was living in Brooklyn where it was all about trying to be old-timey. So I thought, oh, J.J. Lax, you know, L.E. Waterman, just continue the heritage of great brands. So, nice. I like it. I do I like know, it. That, that's where that came from. I mean, it's really cool because the name J.J. Lax now to me has become synonymous with nibmeistering and the tall dude with the Doc Brown from Back to the Future goggles on and shit like that. So I think it's really cool. But what really made me interested is the last couple of years, you and I have become friends and we talk about things. Sometimes they're not even related to fountain pens or nibs. But the last time yeah. we spoke, we had a very in-depth conversation. And, you know... What was really surprising to me is how objective you can be and the conversation we had. And what we were talking about that day was this hot button topic that's been going around the internet that is like the symbiote that infected Brock, Eddie Brock, the Venom character. And it's the issue that's been going on now with Twisby going after narwhal so and here's what happened here's a story for anybody who doesn't know and feel free to jump in whenever you you hear something that tweak piques your interest twisby has sent out a blanket ultimatum to all of their retailers and what that blanket ultimatum stated in some substance in the email was that due to the similarities of the piston mechanisms of, whatchamacallit, I'm getting like 50,000 text messages, of the piston mechanisms, 
Twisby is going to, as of May 1st, stop doing business with any retailer that continues to carry Narwhal. They also included Moonman. Now, I have feelings about Moonman because of how they always copy things. And they blanketly copy designs and styles. I even sent a message to Tom earlier. Did you get it? It's a picture of a whole bunch of pilot vanishing points, but they're actually Moonman pens. Yes, I did see that. Yeah. Did you see that, Josh? Yeah, no, I'm familiar with it. I've seen the pictures. Yeah. It's it's kind of crazy because they looked exactly like the, whatchamacallit, the vanishing point. Pen. Yeah. And I was like, Holy yeah. shit. I was looking at this thing. I'm like, vanishing points are only 30 bucks? This is awesome. <laughs> you know? And then I turn around. It's it's Mahjong or something like that, right? So I'm not crazy yeah. about Moon Man. But when it comes to the Narwhal, I honestly have to say that I don't think Narwhal is a brand that in any way, shape, or form copies or kind of steals ideas from any other brands. Now, Obviously, there are opinions out there that differ, and there are brands and manufacturers and distributors that will disagree. But just talking specifically about Twisby and Narwhal, Josh, what's your take on the whole thing? How do you feel about the similarities and differences of Twisby and Narwhal? So, I mean... You know, whenever we talk about copying, right, we're always talking about the aesthetics. Like you just pointed out with Mahjong uh, or Moon Man, what are they? That I think they actually changed their name to avoid like intellectual property lawsuits or something. Or at least I read that. In any event, you know, you're talking about aesthetics, right? So it's very interesting that Twisby, in going after Narwhal, is not even focusing on the aesthetics. Probably logically, they can't, but. When we think, but but so they're looking at this mechanism, the piston mechanism, right? And that that's really interesting, I think. And look, I mean, going back to your earlier point and and kind of the aesthetics, like, yes, I know that there's criticism out there of narwhal. I mean, that's for people to decide. You know, are they copying others? They might, you know, are they inspired? Fine line between copying and inspiration sometimes. I think is an issue that will always exist in the pen community. But going back to Twisby and narwhal. So, you know, one of the interesting things, my recollection is, and I'm sure we could pull up in the, the annals of Fountain Pen Network, you know, what the, the, the sort of pitch from Twisby was back in the day when they started was that they themselves were trying to undercut similarly designed pens uh, and doing it at like a, like a far less price point. So, and I think specifically they would sort of either, I think they... I have a recollection of it being explicit, jo- but Josh, you know. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I can yeah. actually help you out here because I have the post. So yeah, a lot of this go. stuff is a lot of this stuff is on Reddit now, and yeah. someone actually did copy the post from Fountain Pen Network uh, back in 2009. It was a reply that Speedy had made to someone's uh, inquiry to say, "Do you have any patented patent patent pat? Um, uh, man, I'm I'm patented." I'm, Patented, yes. <laughs> yeah. Innovation in the mechanism that you care to share. Cheers. On this pen, this is Speedy's reply, on this pen there is not new patent involved. Most of the yeah. mechanism or system available on Fountain are long time ago innovation. Correct me if I am wrong. 
Yeah. 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 So, so the major interest is how we can let people come to enjoy a handwriting with the nice and affordable price through shortest channel. So basically what you yeah. had said, but there it is. And it's in, it's, it's not permanent, but it's in the annals of, of yeah. fountain pen lore now. See, you can't, can't run from the internet. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Right. The uh, but I I have this recollection of it them specifically referencing pelicans, and mm-hmm. because I remember Speedy and other people who were pushing it saying that the problem is that piston fillers are too expensive, and therefore we are going to create an economical piston filler, and so kind of the whole premise of the company was to take something a mechanism someone else did right. And to do it in a way that they could package it up and, and ship it to you for 55 bucks, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, just from the perspective of like where we're at now, right? That's a very, it's a very uh, interesting position they're taking when they're kind of the, the genesis of the company was that we're going to, you know, basically take a, a similar design and undercut the people who are out there selling it. Right. And, you know, the, the interesting thing, I think, and Tom, I think you probably could speak to this because you're you're a dealer. You know, the reality of what happens is people buy the Pelican M800 and then they buy the Twisby 580 whatever, right? Mm-hmm. They, don't, right. they don't stop at one. They don't become like loyal to the exclusion of the other. So, mm-hmm. you know, from in, the- In fact, I think it even helps too because especially considering the price point is that Twisby is is a is a brand that is is very much considered to be like that stepping stone, like that entry into into fountain pens for a lot of people. And when you start to get into it, as you know, you start to fall down the rabbit hole, and you you tend to then explore other brands. Of course, when you talk about the greater the greater brands of the modern uh, pen manufacturing world, you have. Pelican is one of them for sure. So, so it, it kind of, it, you know, it kind of feeds each other in that way. You know, it's a, it, it graduates up to that level. So that doesn't necessarily mean that like then Pelicans are completely done like that. Oh, you know, since there is a cheaper alternative out there, they're not going to sell anymore. It's just, I think it, I think it means that there's a better chance of getting more people into it that you would eventually get to the fact that Pelican would be an option later on down the line. Well, I'm yeah. also just to jump on that from a different perspective. Is there also the threat out there when a brand like Twisby comes along and introduces a piston filling mechanism fountain pen similar to that of a Pelican M800 where somebody would buy the Twisby for under $100 and say to themselves, wow, I have a piston filler that's just as good as a Pelican M800. I don't need to get the Pelican M800. Don't you think that that is a an actual threat that could happen? Sure. I mean, why not? Um, you know, but, but then ask yourself, you know, what else goes into that? Right. Like, is that person going to say, I'm not going to buy any $350 plus pen if I can get something similar for under a hundred or something like that. Mm-hmm. The other thing just, but we should also not forget because I know we're focused on the piston thing because that's the immediate with Narwhal. But then after they, they tackled the piston, they then went after the, the Visconti power filler as well. And they wanted to make a power, you know, a vacuum fill pen that was, you know, again, under a hundred dollars because the like design and really the only one at the time that was doing it was pilot mm-hmm. uh, with the, I think of the E23. And yes. then, mm-hmm. 
the uh, and and Visconti, you know, you know, well over four hundred dollars again. So that they were tackling that too. So it's just it's ironic that the whole premise of the company, right, was to offer you know more sophisticated than a cartridge converter filler um, to the market uh, by basically. I, I don't know what you want to call it, riffing on what other people had come up with, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, and the, but again, the, the, the plunger was not, you know, I know Visconti has a way of doing it, but that, that, that idea of the plunger filler goes back, you know, until like pre 1900, mm-hmm. um, you know, Anoto in England had patents on it. I know pilot introduced something like it at some point, you know, I don't know the specific history, but it's out there. Mm-hmm. So okay. again, it's just sort of weird that this, you know, well, I guess it's weird. It it's it's uh, interesting, uh, and we'll get to I guess the now and what 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 folks think about this. But yeah. you know, just looking back at the history of it, it, they're they're taking a position that would seem to be against like what their genesis was. You know, yeah. that like yes, and that was the perspective that was fresh to me hearing it from you when we spoke a few days ago or or a week ago when we last spoke about this. And since then, it has prompted me to do some research. And yes, the piston filler, I actually didn't look up anything in terms of the plunger filler, but the piston filler was actually filed on September 29th, 1926 by Gunther Wagner. And then Mm -hmm. later, a, a year later, almost a year later, on September 15th, 1927, Theodore Kovacs filed and his was approved on March 26, 1929. So the p- piston for fountain pens was actually established in 1929. And so it had expired 20 years later, or I'm assuming, basically as per USPTO.gov, all patents prior to, I think it was like 1996 or something like that, 1995, June 8, 1995, expires after 20 years. So the situation we now have here is we have a company that's called Twisby that is entitled to use filling mechanisms such as piston fillers because they're not under patent. And I don't know who they made pistons for. They might have made them for different companies, maybe Pelican, maybe Mont Blanc, maybe other brands out there. I'm not saying that's what they are. I'm saying that they could have. I'm just speculating. But what is not under speculation is that Twisby was entitled to make piston fillers using pistons, using designs that weren't owned by a patent, that weren't under patent or protected by patents. So as Twisby is entitled to use these patents, so too are the makers of fountain pens at Narwhal. And this is what Narwhal did. And Narwhal has a different philosophy, and they have different pens. They started with an acrylic pen that was kind of crappy, to be honest. But now they have this new Nautilus that's made of ebonite. They have them made out of Tim McKenzie material. And their piston mechanism in this pen is entirely different from anything that Twisby has, right? So my, my perspective on this whole thing, and you guys can tell me if you disagree or not, is let's say for the sake of argument— that the piston mechanism in all the narwhals are identical to those of Twisby. Would it be fair to say that that's not a violation of any patent, being that no one owns the patent? Well, wait, sorry, repeat that again? Okay, 
So let's just say for argument's sake that the pistons yeah. that existed in narwhal pens were fair, were identical to those in Twisby. Would it be fair to say that being that no one has a patent, that there's no actual violation occurring? Uh, I mean, I'm no expert on that, but that mm -hmm. would sound right. And what's more is that, you know, if even if you believe they've done exactly, they basically snuck spies into Twisby headquarters in the middle of the night and they, you know, <laughs> did everything Mission Impossible style and like they wound up with it. At least in the United States, you're not allowed to just go into the market and take retaliatory action. You know what I mean? Right. Like you're supposed to do specific things, which they're not really doing. They're doing the other thing that, that I heard. You know, you I heard many early, narwhal, right? many, many narwhal Bolfin spies died yeah. to bring the plans of the Twisby mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they, uh, many, many perished trying yeah. to bring that to Narwhal yeah. headquarters. There's only like two guys at Narwhal, so if many perished, then the, the brand. No, but going That's to that. That's why there's only two guys. Yeah. But going yeah. to that. On your point, Josh, what my point was this was like, even if this piston mechanisms are the same, which they're not, I'm not saying they are. And as a matter of fact, I'm looking at posts online where people have disassembled a Diamond 580 mm -hmm. and a M800 and put the piston mechanism knob and all into the Twisby 580. So they fit, they're interchangeable. So if anything, the Twisby is identical to the Pelican. But like I said, the patent is expired, so they're entitled to do that. Now, forgetting about the piston mechanisms being the same, the issue that I have with Twisby in this case is the blanket email that they sent out to all the retailers. And the email was essentially a threat to the retailers, saying to the retailers, don't deal with Narwhal or you're not allowed to buy my pens anymore and sell my pens anymore. And what that resulted in is a huge, huge division in terms of the retailers because the retailers right now, and I don't blame them and I actually feel bad for them because I've spoken to many retailers and I'm not going to mention their names just to protect their identities and not put them in precarious situations, but they're terrified. I don't care what they say. They're scared because they are being forced to behave by Twisby. And Twisby is saying, if you don't do it the way I want, then you're cut off. And this act is actually a violation of the Federal Trade Commission antitrust law, specifically the Sherman Act of 1890. Their act is actually illegal. Now, Twisby will do something like this, and I know they're not stupid people over there, They'll do something like this because they know they can get away with it. And the reason why they can get away with it is because they know their product is popular and it sells. And the retailers, they want to keep selling. They want to keep making the money. They don't want to lose it. So the retailers, in a way, empower that kind of behavior. But my question is, do we want that kind of influence in the fountain pen industry? Do we want that kind of bully tactic where one company has enough influence where if there's another starter company coming up, they can just be pushed out and suppressed? You know, what are your thoughts on that, Josh? Oh, I thought we were going to go to Tom first because he's in the business. But, uh, you know, I so I'll say I'll, I'll give you 
give you a story just on my, what my perspective on this i like is. stories so, but you have to start yeah. it once upon a time once upon a time <laughs> i was at the baltimore pen show approximately eight days ago and uh <laughs> and uh i um i what so baltimore now the dc pen show is going to be kind of like this i think but you know I, so I do nibs, right? And you go to like the Baltimore, Washington International Pen Show and there's like seven or eight people there doing nibs. I mean, granted, one of them is associated with Franklin Kristoff, Audrey, Audrey mm-hmm. but she's there doing it nonetheless. And, you know, I, I, I was blown away that a pen show still technically COVID times could support eight people or seven people doing nibs, right? And it's an interesting business because you'd think that we would all be competitors, right? We would all be saying like, you know, well, I got to get the jump on that person right. and I got to be better than that person and I got to make sure my, you know, but no one, no one's really like that so far as I know, or at least in the circles that I travel, maybe there's some of us that do that. I have no idea. But, you know, I'm friends with the with at least some portion of the other nib people. Um, and, you know, I find most of us are, are respectful to another to the point that one of the folks that was there doing nibs who I'm friends with had major power issues at their table. And I actually offered them, they were able to get another table and it was fine. But I said, if it doesn't work out, you can have half of my table. So I was willing to put a, what, what I think a lot of people would, I think is a competitor at my table with me. And I was confident that that would not somehow, you know, affect the market on my, on what I was doing or something like that. Right. You know, I wasn't, wasn't going to like, you know, uh, hurt myself with it. I think that the same type of attitude prevails through most of the people in the pen community at this point. And I mean, that might be me being having rosy thoughts about this, but you know, the, you know, on one level, I feel like you, you know, you're, you're, you're only, the only way people know that you're good is that they can compare you to other folks Mm -hmm. and they can think everybody's good, but at least then, you know, there's some sort of foil to what you're doing and people have, have have options and things like that. I mean, that, that, and, and it forces people perhaps, you know, if we're truly in competition, it forces us to be better um, because we're trying to deliver a superior product, right? Which is where the antitrust stuff comes in. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, without meandering too much on this point, but what I'll say is this, is everyone's got to ask themselves a question of, are we solely a market or are we a community, right? If we're solely a market, then all the people in the pen business are going to be you know, going after each other and trying to, you know, secure the best in the market. And I'm sure there's old stories between the Schaefer's and the Parker's and the Watermans of the world doing different things over the course of time because it was a market. But I don't think a lot of the people who I know and I work with think of us solely as a uh, market. We are a community. And so do you want in your community people strong arming members of the community so the community lacks access and that's i'm putting aside any sort of like legal or regulations or anything like that and it's solely a moral question that you know i think folks should have to ask themselves because if you allow the precedent of a twisby doing this to a narwhal 
ask yourself, where does this get us to? And then what does it do? You know, does it just make a meaner pen community? Do you ever think anyone would be talking about a meaner fountain pen community in any way? (laughs) But that, but that's what it is, right? Like it's, is it going to become like this, like state of nature gang war type thing where it's like, you're a Twisby dealer or Narwhal dealer. You're a, Aurora dealer or Visconti dealer, you can have, you can't have Monteverde and you can't, you know, and, and, uh, Conklin, uh, if you don't get rid of pilot, you know, or something, you know, whatever it is, we don't really want that happening. We want the options as a community. Mm-hmm. And what I can't get my head around with the, the Twisby thing is like, what is the gambit that they're going for? So they shut out, narwhal from the let's say the north america dealers but like they're out there they're at pen shows i mean twisby is never at a pen show right people sell twisbies at a pen show but they're never there but you can actually meet the owner of narwhal in person and ask questions and try out different narwhals at their table and they're consistently at a lot of these shows so again you ask yourself you know community you could hate the pens or something, but that's fine. That's your choice. But, you know, I don't understand what the gambit is for Twisby here because let's say he shuts out Narwhal or they shut out Narwhal at this juncture. Well, what are they really gaining from that? Uh, you know, and, and what is it about Narwhal that threatens them so much that they would go down this road to begin with? You know, they know, like you said, Roy, they know what they're, you know, what they know, what they know what's going to happen. So what is it, what is it, why are they so incentivized to go after this particular brand? Um, you know, and, and when in, in a lot of ways they're producing two totally different products, I, I feel like for me, at least I look at them very differently. Mm-hmm. I do too. I find that yeah. the Narwhal products in particular, and mostly with especially the Narwhal Nautiluses, I feel like they're unique in their design. They have unique looks. Yeah, they're piston fillers, but piston fillers exist. They're allowed to exist in the same yeah. in the same world. And there's Ebonite has existed before. Other pen brands have used Ebonite. I think that what they're doing with the porthole ink window is unique. And when they're doing with the what they're doing with the Tim McKenzie acrylic is really nice. Now they're not, of course, Narwhal's not the first brand out there to use Tim McKenzie. I think a lot of independent makers used it for years. And then I think it was Esterbrook that actually used their marketing prowess to make it more apparent to everybody. So they kind of brought it to a much higher playing field, but it's existed before then. You know what I'm saying? And I definitely agree that I definitely don't think that Narwhal is the same as a Twisby. Now, Tom, I want to ask you the same question that I asked Josh in regard to do we want something like this to exist in the pen community? And Josh answered the question, but I want to ask you, but before you answer, I want to make it very clear that you are representing Thomas William Otto and you're not in (laughs) any way, shape, or form representing your employers because you are not right now working you're doing the podcast with me. You're representing your own opinions and ideas. So let everything that you say right now not represent in any way, shape, or form the people <laughs> that you work for. So give me your thoughts on the Twisby situation. 
Well, thank you so much for that very long disclaimer, Roy. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that'll hold up in court. <laughs> um, but I actually, when I was writing down my thoughts about this, and uh, I felt that uh, uh, Joshua hit on it in in a, in a way, um, I wrote down and instead of either or. That to me encapsulates how I feel about competitors when it comes to thinking about retail competitors, thinking about manufacturer competitors, thinking about the the overall market in the the pen community. And, you know, for what Joshua was saying is about like community versus being a commodity or just a market. Like I look at it as I think that I'm just even grateful that people are still enjoying pens and that there's even a, an actual market for pens to be for for fountain pens to begin with that it wasn't just like eradicated with the dinosaurs you know and that we're not you know it's 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 still very vibrant and i think that we could conceive this as uh you know with with an idea of abundance and just think that hey you know it's not going to hurt to have a variety of different options for people and to have them accessible at different price points and to have them accessible in different styles and different approaches uh, i you know i i also i also feel differently i i feel i feel about the, the when you when we call when we talk about clones particularly i feel a little bit differently about that right um because like we were talking about the the vanishing point that you sent me a picture of that the the mahjong clone and you know we've i've talked about this before when it came to i think it was the moon man m800 they called mm-hmm. it yes that looked like a leonardo momento's arrow and what what have you and f- so forth and um and like i think really it comes down to is it really adding anything to it or is it distinct enough you know and, and there's this is going to be like that fine line that you tread between you know is it a copy is it not a copy is does this actually add anything to the conversation or is this just clearly just like making it for cheaper and making it look exactly the same with these same exact specs and could you could you as a as a casual consumer tell the difference between either or and i mean if you saw that picture of the of the the mahjong vanishing point and you looked at a picture of the pilot miki vanishing point you know a casual person would be like oh this is the same thing right you know, it's like that you wouldn't you wouldn't know. I mean, I, I even like took a quick look. I was like, oh, yeah, that's oh, no, it's not a vanishing point. Oh, you know, it's 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 very, very much the same. Um, you know, when you were talking about just the filling mechanism, we could also compare the fact that most pens that are made these days have the same exact filling system being that's the Schmidt or or, you know, K5 converter. That's the international size converter and has a Yovo number six nib. That's like. A majority of pens that fountain pens that are made today use that same exact setup, and and you know it's like no one's raising cane about like going either or you know about about like this person's doing that and this person you know, but it's just it just happens to be focusing on one particular detail about a filling mechanism of which like it was admitted in the in the post in two thousand nine that was made by Twisby that it's really nothing new. You know, it's it's nothing new. And then if you wanted to prove that, if you wanted to take it to that level and actually prove that something about your mechanism is proprietary, then prove it, prove it in actual court, like do that, like do like do that 
in a way that actually would prove something rather than, you know, take it out of out of the hands of that and then just put it into, you know, put it into the the public eye, which as as we talked about any of this stuff, this all this stuff is out there on the Internet, by the way, like you don't like this is not any privileged information that you have. We had to go digging for it's all posted on either Reddit or uh, even uh, we had was it Tokyo Station Pens on Instagram had posted about it. That's uh, that's on uh, Tokyo Inklings podcast. Um, so there's 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 a bunch of information that's kind of like leaked out there, and uh, you know, and it's it's just it's just like you know, I I kind of see it as like you just need we just need to have it be open for everybody to like. I mean, like yeah, sure, sure. There shouldn't be like direct copies made for you know for pens. But like, but yeah, then there's going to be that fine line between what is a copy and what isn't a copy. But like, but like, I, I'm more for if we can have and if we could have Twisby and Narwhal and right. others you know, I, in the community. I completely agree. I don't think that eradicating one or the other is the idea. But I really think that when we throw the word around saying copy, copy this, copy that, we need to make clear distinctions on what it means to copy. For example, what Mahjong slash Moonman did with their vanishing point pen is a copy. What they do with the Leonardo pen that Moonman M800 is a copy. And those are just blatantly copies. What's not copying is the concept of using a piston filler. What's not copying is using a stock acrylic or an acrylic that everybody is entitled to use. Like the Tom Penn Company can use McKenna Diamond Cast. The Josh Lax Company can use McKenna Diamond Lax. I can use it. If everybody can use it and they're making their own pens and designs, it's not copying. Because that's... If we're going to just throw around, oh, he's copying and stealing my ideas, where do we draw the line, right? If that's the case, then everybody is copying everybody, and everybody should be shutting each other down, right? I mean— Yeah, that's the that's what I was saying, is that where does it end? You know, if you allow this one time to happen. I mean, I'm, I'm curious, you know, I, as we're thinking about this, I'm thinking, I mean, Narwhal has a pen that, to me— is very reminiscent of some of the Estabrook pens. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would, you know, so I don't ever believe that Estabrook would, would go and say to vendors, stop carrying that because of this. But to me, you know, the, not as bad perhaps is, you know, people making the argument, right? Mm -hmm. Discussing it, you know, sort of the free flow of the ideas being like, well, is this something that we as a community should reject because it it's too much and it's copying, you know, and I think, you know, because, and, and I think both of you sort of advocate that when it comes to moon man, because, you know, you look at this and you say this, there, where is the original idea in this? It, it's non-existent. Right. Mm -hmm. well, um, I'm all for, I'm all for though. Like I yeah. think that the, the market decides it too, because, because I think that if you, if you like decided, oh, Hey, you know, I want to give this a try and they'll give it a try. And, you know, find out that down the road, hey, maybe this wasn't the this didn't really work out that well for me. Let me try the vanishing point. It's all of a sudden, oh, like this is oh, this was so much. You know, like what I'm saying, like it it just it's it seems to me that the that the market would end up finding out, you know, ferreting mm -hmm. out which one's the better, you know, of of the of the makes and models that that people would eventually 
you know, come to realize that, hey, you know, the the original is the better model. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Like, like Moon Man has pens that are exactly the same as, uh, which is it? The there's a Moon Man pen that looks exactly like the Platinum three seven seven six celluloid, but it's made of acrylic and it was like twenty bucks. But obviously, the Platinum is just a better pen, so I'm on the side of the Platinum pen, right? But yeah, you know, it's just I think we have to like I was saying, draw a line and say, hey, listen, let's stop hurling these allegations of copying because a pen using an acrylic that's out there is not copying. A pen using the concept of a piston filler is not copying. And the truth is, if that is copying, you're going to have a world war of fountain pens and then no one will exist at the end, right? Because like, listen, if every brand is going to go after each other for copying, then I mean, I can't think of anything. Esterbrook is copying Platinum with their slip and seal inner cap mechanism, right? And they also, their pens also look exactly like launchers with, with clips, right? But nobody is saying, oh, Esterbrook is copying, right? Esterbrook is using the Tim McKenzie materials, but Tim McKenzie materials were being used in pens before that, and they were being used by smaller brands. Those smaller brands aren't saying, oh, they're copying right? These are all ideas that existed that everybody kind of, they are entitled to use those ideas. And if they're entitled to use those ideas and everybody's entitled to use those ideas, Twisby was entitled to use the idea of a piston filler. And as Twisby is, so too is Narwhal, right? So I think that it's really important that people acknowledge what's happening. And what's happening is Twisby doesn't want Narwhal to exist because they feel like Narwhal is a threat to the pool of customers that Twisby has. And I think the reality, as Josh was saying, was and is, the reality is no one's going to stop buying Twisby because of Narwhal and vice versa. No one's going to stop buying any other brand because of Narwhal. What people are going to do is they're just going to buy a Narwhal and another pen. Have you ever met a fountain pen enthusiast? They can't stop buying pens, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> it's intrinsic. Right. It's an intrinsic problem we have. Yeah. That we just acquire these things and anything at a certain price point is like an impulse buy that you can't right. fight at some point, right? Now, what I also want to say and I think that it's important that this is said. I think nobody should ever hold against the retailers what they decide to do. Because part of me thinks that this whole thing is not going to blow away. And I think that Twisby is going to go through with cutting people off if they don't drop Narwhal. And people are going to drop Narwhal. They already have. You know what I mean? So if a retailer, to me, the way I was thinking was, is the retailer going to stand behind ethics or are they going to stand behind money? Right? So in one hand, if you stand with Twisby, you're standing with a company that's violating federal fair trade commission laws, but they're standing behind the money there too. But if they go with Narwhal, they're standing behind ethics and a brand who hasn't broken any laws or acted illegally, right? But now I think of it differently because the retailers are put between a rock and a very hard place because they lose 
money, which is the whole point of being in business, right? And they're they're losing an ability to stay functional as a business if they lose Twisby. Narwhal being way smaller than Twisby, if they cut Narwhal loose, how much are they actually losing? So they have to decide, do we lose a huge portion of our income and make an unethical or rather stand with an unethical act? Or do we go with a brand that hasn't acted unethically, but then lose a lot of money? It's a very hard decision. And I'm sure we're going to find out which retailers decided to stand with Twisby and dump Narwhal or vice versa. And I don't want people to, to let that cause division, right? So if retailer A went with the Twisby and retailer B went with the Narwhal, there's no good guy here. The retailers are only victims in this, I believe, right? Josh, how would well, you... Well, they're the ones that kind of caught in the crossfire of things because... Right. No one caught in a crossfire I mean, is never not a victim. You know what I mean? Like if anybody's caught mm-hmm. in a crossfire, their position in that crossfire is always victim. You know what I'm saying? That's what I was saying like before. I was like, I was like, you know, I think that it could have, it could have been handled without having the casualties or the, or the, the ones being inflicted pain upon being the, the retailers. Right. Could have just been handled 100%. directly between manufacturer to manufacturer you know, why do you have to hold the retailers hostage on it? Right. And or, or even Twisby going to the public, right? They didn't even choose to put this into like, you know, not to be cliched about, but like the court of public opinion. Like mm-hmm. they didn't ask us, you know, us as the users, what do you think? Like, is it, is it a problem? Are you upset about this? You know? Yeah. And, 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 you know, it was, it was just a matter of time until it ended up kind of spilling over into the public anyway and just looking at how people are reacting to it on like Reddit or or just or just the comments that I've read, I'm just like, uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I doesn't. It doesn't necessarily make them look the greatest right now. I I see people saying that they're going to be swearing off like buying Twisbees and such, and or or that they're just not going to buy anything until it kind of blows over. So it just it just adds a lot of sourness, I think, in people's you know mouths about. Uh, about the pen industry, which is usually very void of this sort of drama, it's 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 very uh, it's very rare when you do see this sort of thing play out. And you know, I, I just I just go to work and I'm just like I'm just like man, I just really wish that I could just go to work and just sell pens and not <laughs> have to deal with all the drama. You know, it's just like yeah, yeah it's tough. Um, if I can just up the drama a little bit, I'm just going right. to say, Roy, Roy <laughs> you said you said that uh, people could think that Estabrook is copying Wancher. I think it should be you should look at it as uh, Wancher is likely copying Estabrook. I say that with very little information, but you got to look at it that way too. So, sure, there's your drama. It, yeah, you know? it could go the other way. But, Maybe Wancher is copying because if you look at them, yeah. they're the same. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think Wancher was around before Esterbrook, though, and they're just, I'm pretty sure they were around before Esterbrook, though. I don't see. I don't know if they're really the same. I feel like there are differences. Like, I own obviously I have Esterbrooks because I work with the company, but mm-hmm. and I have a Wancher, and there there there's a difference. I think that the in some ways I even though I have like a beautiful Arushi Wancher, I feel like. There's something about how the the Estabrooks are designed that like they're, they're, maybe they're streamlined better or the balance better, um, for whatever reason I I they're, they're more comfortable to me so I don't I don't look at them as being the same I can see them being similar 
um, for sure. But to me, there's something, uh, you know, this, for my own usage, I'm more consistently using the Estabrook versus mm-hmm. the Wancher, albeit I agree with you, they have similar features and things like that. Right. On the and, talk about similarity, sorry, I, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, sure, sure. But my thing is, yeah, no one is going to say that they're like Esterbrook is copying anybody, even though they're similar. And that's my point. Yeah. In the same yeah. sentence, we should not be saying that. What you call it? Narwhal is copying the Twisby. In the same yeah. sentence, we shouldn't say Platinum three seven seven six copies Sailor nineteen elevens. And in the same sentence, we shouldn't be saying that. I can't think of another comparison. But having said I that, I can tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having the, said you that, you go on mm-hmm. Google, Google a Nakaya Piccolo, and you will see a pen that anyone who turns their own pens does something similar to. Mm-hmm. And it's that like kind of cigar shape that has like the pointed finials. Like mm-hmm. many people make a very similar pen to that. And no one ever gets on anyone's case about that aesthetic. And I don't know if Nakai is the originator of it, but it's like one of the classic looks from them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, never seems to be a problem when anyone else turns a pen that looks like that. Right. So, so this is why it's so jarring and out of left field that a brand like Twisby, who really isn't threatened in reality by Narwhal, now comes after Narwhal just because they both have a piston. And it's it's as flimsy as as flimsy as it is to say that Esterbrook is doing this or the only reason why I'm coming up with Esterbrook is because I I, I personally love Esterbrook and I have I think it we all love Esterbrook yeah and I'm it's sitting here in front it's of a me pro so Esterbrook like, group yeah is <laughs> is like no one's gonna say Esterbrook is copying first of all before I continue I hope I didn't come off as anti-Esterbrook because I think Esterbrook, the people behind Esterbrook, they're, they're innovative in, in, in like there no marketing strategy on the planet when it comes to fountain pens in particular is as good as these guys at Kenro Industries. No one comes close. These guys are geniuses when it comes to getting the name out there, working with people like myself designers, artists, they're reaching out to artists that have nothing to do with fountain pens and they're connecting with people. They're spider webbing out of the fountain pen community and bringing people in. It's amazing. So no, no, nothing bad to say about Esterbrook, but how would, you know, I would be just as appalled if a company out of the blue just comes in and is like, Hey, Esterbrook, you're copying us. And then how would it be for us if Somebody just is like, hey, listen, if you want to keep selling our pens and you can't do business with Estabrook, that would be, first of all, that would personally infuriate me because the guys at Estabrook are my friends. And then on top of that, Estabrook is one of my favorite pens to date, the SD. So if I'm not going to allow it with Estabrook, somebody attacking Estabrook that way, I can't allow it to happen or I can't live with it happening to a small brand that's really just trying to, trying to, trying to up and come now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I just really think that it's an unfortunate situation that they what they should have done was this. They should have put together, Twisby should have put together all their paperwork, all their designs, 
measurement schematics and then hired a lawyer and then had the lawyer write up a cease and desist to Narwhal. So Narwhal could then hire their lawyer and take it to court and then they can duke it out there. And like Tom said, what they instead decided to do and elect to do was kind of like bully all the retailers. And I'm not about that. And I'm pretty sure Tom... I don't think anyone... I don't... I don't yeah. think we should all I, I don't think any of us should be about that. That's my point. Yeah. I totally think so. Hey Tom, are you hearing Josh well? Uh coming through a little choppy. Yeah. You're hearing that too? Yeah, a little bit. How Josh. About now? Can you say something else? Better? Can you hear me now? Oh, that's much better. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, yeah I leaned over, I think my hey, no le- thing. No leaning over. What's the matter with you? Yeah, no leaning over. <laughs> hey, listen, I when I when I when I'm casting on the pod, I want to be luxuriating. So you know, it. Uh, I have no choice. I have to lean over. Yeah. So you know, I really do appreciate your stance and your feedback on all of this, and this is this is one of the reasons why I love talking to you so much because you're so calm and objective, and that's really what I wanted to that's kind of like what I wanted to be as much as possible. Just talk about this objectively without getting emotional. Cause, and Tom knows me, I do get mm-hmm. emotional and I get very, when I see something angry, angry, <laughs> I don't, I don't like bullies. And what Twisby has done was they acted as a bully, you know? And I know that there are brands out there that feel like, oh, this brand copies our brand and I'm pissed off about it. You know what they do? They don't act like bullies. They just keep getting better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Brands like Leonardo, like they're not going after anybody if they're buying Moonmans. They're just making their pens better. What's his name? The guy who has the Natuno 1911. Nino Marino. He's just making pens yeah. better from what they what he used to do to survive. He's it's just driving the production and quality up, right? Esterbrook is another one. I, I don't even think they care what anyone else is doing. They just keep doing their stuff. They're they keep doing their creative stuff. They should that to me they are blind to the rest of the world because they're just doing their thing and it's hauling them straight forward. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's really interesting because they they are kind of like an entity unto themselves. Exactly. And what's what's really remarkable to me is just how well they've kind of bridged like the kind of concept of reviving a brand. And I should say bridge meaning sort of taking the like the vintageness of it mm-hmm. and then like bringing it forward into like the contemporary fountain pen fandom, you know, yeah, and and I making it relevant because it's very it's very difficult, I think, to do that. And they're very good with it. And I think part of what they're what's and why they why they, they, they act the way they do is that they, they, they like are behind the brand, but they also like, they like love it. You know what I mean? So, yes, you know, yes, that, definitely. you know, it's a, if anyone ever has a chance to like meet them at a show or when they come and they visit a store, it's worth going and talking to those guys just to yeah. kind of get, you know, yeah, a little insight definitely. into it. Cause I mean, when I started collecting the dream of every pen collector was to revive Estabrook. 
You know, I remember we formed a club and we'd meet in New York City and mm-hmm. people would talk about it from time to time. We'd have these guests come, people who were running brands. And there mm-hmm. was inevitably someone who was like talking about like reviving Estabrook or mm-hmm. I forget the other one that always came up. Yeah. But, you know, that was a dream at a time. But, you know, I don't want to... Uh, we keep going back to Estherbrook, and uh, I mean, I have yeah. selfish reasons for doing that, but we should move sure. on. We should move on. Yeah, but listen, Josh, thank yeah. you for being on the show. This 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 episode, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to end the episode because it's about that time, and it's late for Tom. He has to get up for school tomorrow. But we definitely yeah. want to have you on the show again so we can talk about you. I think people need to know more about you, and I think that. I think that you're a fascinating person. I think you're a super hyper intellectual person. And thank you. You sound like my mom. So What's that? <laughs> or at least the way she used to talk when I was younger. So um, it's yeah. like a, my bar mitzvah speech all over again yeah. with the rabbi up in front of everybody. It's good. It's good. I like it. Thank you. Keep going. I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt. I don't know why I would. Why would I interrupt? Why would I interrupt this? Why would, why would I do something like that? Sorry. Right. Go on. But Please. yeah, we definitely want to have you back on in the next coming weeks just to talk about the history of Joshua Lacks and stuff. And I definitely do appreciate your perspective on this whole Twisby thing. It's a hot button topic for everybody, I'm sure. And everybody, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope it doesn't piss you off. And if it does, you know who to try to get fired. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to say once again, Josh... Thanks for being on the show and to everybody. Yeah, my pleasure. And to everybody listening, thanks again for listening. Love you guys. Be well, be safe. Stay in game.